More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Welcome back in. Hour number three, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. We appreciate all of you hanging out with us. Encourage you to go subscribe to Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. You will, I think, absolutely love being able to take the show anywhere with you. You can also download the iHeartRadio app and go that direction to be able to listen to us no matter where you are all over the country and indeed all around the world. Buck, we went to break uh, talking about the revelations in that tablet article about Barack Obama. And I know you talked about it last week. I actually want to circle back around and I came on with you for 15 or 20 minutes on Wednesday because every time it seems like I take a vacation, Trump actually gets <laughs> indicted. We're now two times. I've missed uh, twice for this summer. Both times Trump has gotten indicted in federal court, both uh, in South Florida and now in Washington, D.C. And there is now a possible Trump indictment coming in Atlanta. I will be there on Thursday. I was there much of last week. Uh, they have shut down the streets around the federal court, around the courthouse there as they get ready for the state charges to be filed. But I want to talk more about these Trump charges, in particular in uh, in Washington, D.C., with you for a moment. I have looked at this, I have read this indictment, and I think many people are missing what is the most important defense that is out there for Trump. And that is this, Buck, and I mentioned this with you on Wednesday. When you boil down what Jack Smith is attempting to charge related to these four conspiracies on January 6th, he's essentially criminalizing the legal advice that Donald Trump got. And I hear a lot of people talk about the First Amendment, and certainly there is a defense there. And I hear a lot of people talk about the precedent that is being set and how awful it is. And I agree with both of those things. But I hear very few people talking about what I think is the best defense for Trump that could lead to these charges being tossed. And it is this. And I want to bring this home for everybody. Buck, I have sat around conference room tables with room full of lawyers before. As all the lawyers debate, hey, what's the best defense here? How could we file a lawsuit on this angle? What's the most compelling? And I'll give you a fun story. When I was a young attorney, 
we were filing a lawsuit on behalf of a uh, ambulatory care center, if I remember correctly, and it was basically what services they were allowed to argue. And I remember I I looked into and read everything that I could about this because they wanted me to draft the uh, the lawsuit that was filed to allow this uh, this hospital, this ambulatory center, to be able to do more procedures. And I wrote what I thought was an incredibly compelling uh, lawsuit. And I took it to the uh, the managing, not the managing partner, the name partner, right? The name, the partner's name that's on the law firm. And I made out my case and I laid it out. I was 25. You know, you're full of, you, know, you think you're the most brilliant lawyer who's ever existed. I made my whole case. And he, and I remember his response. And his response was, that's aggressive. That is, uh, that is, uh, interesting in theory. It's a huge loser and it's beyond the bounds of what we should be arguing legally. Then we brought in other lawyers. And other lawyers heard the the theory, and they were like, you know what? That's actually kind of an interesting theory that might work. And so when you file a lawsuit or when you provide a defense, it's not uncommon for many lawyers to have a variety of different perspectives on what might or might not work. And the reason why I bring that up is that's the essence of being a lawyer. Because all you do is analyze probabilities. And it's why very often legal arguments are, we believe X, but in the event X isn't true, we believe Y. And in the event Y isn't true, we believe Z. And Trump might have had an aggressive interpretation of what the law allowed Mike Pence to do on January 6th and what he was allowed to do in terms of putting forward a new slate of electors. But I don't think that's criminal. And I think it's really scary to argue that you can criminalize a legal argument because many legal arguments that seem crazy. I'll give you one. People would say, oh, the idea that gay people are ever going to get married. In 1994, you might have gotten laughed out of a courtroom if you had tried to make that argument. But by the time we got to whatever it was and Oberfell becomes law, that was compelling. Every dissent is a minority opinion in the Supreme Court, but it's often setting forth the precedent that will allow a case to be overturned. And so when I, and and then and, and this is a huge part of this argument too, Buck, in December of 2022, I believe it was, they changed the law on how, what the vice president's role is going to be on uh, the January 6th equivalent. If you are changing the law, how on its face is there not a colorable legal argument that could be made that what Mike Pence was doing and the new slate of electors and sending it back to the states wasn't in some way a legal ambiguity that some people could believe was actually a legitimate legal argument? I think this is an open and shut case. I don't understand how, from a legal perspective, there are allowed to be charges brought when the law was changed to keep Trump's legal argument from being able to be advanced. To me, that's a sign that there was ambiguity and that everything Trump argued and the lawyers who advised him argued is, in fact, legally acceptable. And there's no conspiracy at all because all he was doing was putting forward a legal argument. I think all this just will end up coming down 
if it is put to a jury to what people think of Trump in, in all of this, not just Trump, period, but Trump in the midst of all of this, the legal realities of it almost feels like it, it, it's so politicized and it's so obviously uh, it's so obvious that this has been done to create massive influence going into the 2024 election that I'm not even sure. I'll put it to you this way. If I were sitting on, well, I mean, I'm a right wing wing uh, lunatic, fine. But <laughs> if I were sitting on a jury uh, in this instance and I knew what was going on here with like, it's impossible to find someone who doesn't already have a lot of opinions on all of this. Right. This is this is not, you know, did, uh, you know, did Dr. Kimball murder his wife or was it the one armed man? And no, you know what I mean? Like th- this is something that everybody is at some level uh, opinionated on. And I, I just think that it's very hard when you get into the legal realities of it to separate these things out. Um, and so, yeah, they're criminalizing, uh, they're criminalizing this legal theory or the, the usage of legal theories, which is really bad for our system. But Clay, they're also prosecuting their chief political rival in election year, right? Like it's just all, all the arguments related to norms and process are overshadowed, if not crushed, by the thuggish reality of what they're doing. Do you, do you know what I mean? Oh, it's, yeah. a, it's like we're sitting here and we're watching, uh, you ever seen like indoor men's league soccer, like indoor soccer played? It's like six on six or whatever it is. We're the team right now is running around like, Hey, you know, I think they're not really playing and they're just, they're knocking people's teeth out with elbows. They're giving the ref a $500 bill, you know, $500 in bills. Like we're, we're, it's just sort of so far beyond in, in many ways, the, the legal niceties of, well, like, well, he has rights and there's a system and yeah, the process is playing out. But, I mean, in D.C., he's got the most – actually, Julie Kelly said he had the second most anti-Trump judge possible. Just to be fair, she said there's one who's worse, but this is the second most anti-Trump judge in the entire D.C. circuit of, of all the judges um, in the most anti-Trump jurisdiction. I think Trump is probably more hated in Washington, D.C. than he even is in San Francisco uh, based on – you know, because that's the other city that's 95% plus Democrat. So – the whole thing is unfair and a sham at that level. Do you know what I mean? So, so yes, they're criminalizing legal theory. And yes, that has enormous ramifications for, for the legal system, for other people and their process going forward. But I mean, they, they've crossed the Rubicon so many times. They're going to have to change the name of the river. It doesn't even, you know, they, it, it's, it doesn't have any impact anymore. Yeah. I, I guess my theory on it is. I don't see any way that this case stands. I think the Supreme Court, in the same way that it was uh, the uh, the governor in Virginia, and I believe that was also a Jack Smith case, who got hit with bribery and convicted, and the Supreme Court, I believe it was 9-0, tossed the case and said this isn't an evidence of bribery based on the facts. This isn't a crime. Having an aggressive legal defense is not a crime. Let me give you another example, Buck. When I was practicing law, crim law, uh, I was involved in a murder case. The defense in the murder case, I swear to you, this was the truth. They defended the client that I was representing on appeal, his attorney did, by saying he wasn't responsible for the murder because the reason why the murder ended up happening was because the hospital wanted to harvest the organs of the guy who had been shot by the murder, uh, alleged murder. The, the defense argument at trial was, 
our client's not guilty of murder. The reason this guy died was because they took him off of life-saving materials because they wanted to harvest his organs to use to give to other people on an organ donor basis. I read the entire trial transcript. I said, this is the dumbest legal argument I've ever seen. The defense was, yeah, he shot him, but he's not responsible for the murder because he was on life support. They turned off the life support because they wanted his organs. Therefore, it was not a murder. All right. I was involved in the appeal. You know what the judge on the appeal said? Uh, and I'm paraphrasing here. This was a really interesting and, uh, and, and creative legal defense. There was no ineffectiveness of counsel at trial. I think it's the dumbest argument I've ever heard. You're not even saying your guy didn't shoot somebody. You're saying he's not responsible for the murder because the organs wanted to be harvested by the hospital so they could give them to somebody else. Stupidest argument I've ever seen. The court analyzed it, ineffectiveness of counsel claim. They said that was really creative and interesting, and and this was not ineffectiveness of counsel. My point is there is a wide expanse of legal representation that is countenanced by the court system in general. And if that wasn't ineffectiveness of counsel, what you're trying to do is figure out how to win, and sometimes that requires you coming up with creative legal arguments. You can't criminalize creative legal arguments. The entire law is based on being able to allow creative legal arguments. And I'm not hearing anybody on the Trump team hammering this angle I think it's the most single compelling element of Trump's defense, and I believe the Supreme Court is going to toss all of the Jan 6th charges based on this isn't a conspiracy, it's just a legal argument. If Trump beats all of these cases, either through a judge tossing it out, the Supreme Court intervening, a jury finding him not guilty, in any iteration of this, Does that then make him effectively, in your mind, unstoppable for 2024? Well, so here's the challenge. It will take. How does this go with independence? Do they say, oh, he's an innocent man, he's fine, it's good, or do they say they can't handle the circus anymore? Well, here's what I think. I think Jack Smith knows this deep down. I think he knows that his Jan 6 charges are garbage. I wonder if they're waiting to blame the Supreme Court and argue Trump rigged the system in his favor because the Trump Supreme Court, which is made up of Amy Coney Barrett, Gorsuch, and Kavanaugh, would likely be in the majority tossing this case, and it doesn't matter what the charges are. Guess what? You know that Katanji Brown-Jackson and Sonia Sotomayor and even, I would say, the most rational of uh, of that group on the liberal wing, yeah, uh, Kagan, Kagan with, uh, with her Harvard background, They'll say these charges were legit. And so I think you're setting up for a 6-3, look at Trump. He rigged the Supreme Court to keep himself from being held accountable. And I wonder whether, now I don't know the time frame of how long that could take, but I think that's the ultimate Trump card, so to speak, of the left, is they're going to attack the Supreme Court, which then what does it give you, Buck? We can court pack. We can add new justices. Oh, There's a rig job in effect. They can't lose based on the way that they have laid out this case. I mean, I just wonder if any of this really moves voters in either direction when question. all is said and done, or or if it really will just turn into no one's changing their mind about any of this stuff at this point, and so it's just the voter turnout machinery that's going to determine 
whether you know whether a Democrat is able to win again or win this time. I think the best argument for Trump winning in twenty four, uh, if it's Trump v. Biden, is the eighty one million. A significant portion of them don't show up because the the argument that Biden made of he'll restore normalcy in America, he hasn't actually done it. And I think turnout could be down. That's my theory. I could be wrong on this, but I think a Trump vehicle, uh, the Trump voters are more likely to show up than the Biden voters are. I think that's how you win. Uh, look, news of another big data breach of a healthcare company. This time, this time, companies called Maximus Federal Services. They're Medicare contractors. Uh, the data breach, the data breach potentially exposed personal info of nearly 11 million people. The breach took place in May and it compromised information that could be so security numbers, phone numbers, email addresses, all of those details, enough for a cyber thief to set up accounts in your name, go on an online shopping spree. It's another reminder you must set up your own online identity theft protection, and you can do it with LifeLock. Important to understand how cybercrime and identity theft are affecting our lives. LifeLock will detect and alert you to potential identity threats you may not spot on your own, like bogus purchases. If you become a victim of identity theft, dedicated U.S.-based LifeLock restoration specialist will work to fix it. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses, but it's easy to help protect yourself with LifeLock. Join now and save 25% off your first year with my name, Clay, that's C-L-A-Y, as your promo code, 1-800-LIFELOCK, or go online, lifelock.com. Use my promo code, Clay, for 25% off. Clay Travis and Buck Sexton on the front lines of truth. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose Podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough. 
that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, this idea of what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Mitch McConnell is the Senate Minority Leader, and based on the amount of money he has uh, for his PAC and everything else, probably the most powerful Republican senator uh, in a lot of ways. And he had an event, and I'm just going to let you listen to how that event went over the weekend. Play four. Good thing we have a Republican General Assembly keeping the governor in check. And fighters like Jamie Comer and Rand Paul in Washington holding Biden accountable. And in the Senate, in the Senate, I'm working to make sure Kentucky punches above its weight. I fought for millions to rebuild East and West Kentucky after disaster struck. And I'm making sure our heroes in law enforcement get what they need to crack down on crime and plug the holes in Biden's open borders. I mean, Clay, can I, just, I mean, people, if they're having a hard time hearing it, that, that's the point is for five minutes at his own event, he was heckled by people shouting retire and shame on you after his, his situation where he spaced out. Remember that? Yeah. So do we know, Buck, and, and I, I heard this audio. Are these Republicans or did Democrats just storm the event and heckle him? Because, look, I know Mitch McConnell is not very popular with all of our listeners in Kentucky. There are a lot of Republicans that are fed up it's with him. got to be left-wing activists, right? I, I mean, I don't think Republicans would do I mean, he's he's an old man. He's too old. But let's when come- we come back, we need to talk about this because I think it's a big story. Uh, we will. There's talk this year that we could see a new digital version of our currency thanks to the federal government. One of the prominent voices in this conversation is former Wall Street insider and writer Tika Tiwari. He sees our government even potentially announcing a mandatory national recall on the U.S. dollar. Timing on this could be just in a matter of months. He's exposing this government plan in a video he's created with his team to show you the three steps you need to take to prepare. You can see the video online. Go to dollarrecall.com to watch this video and learn from it. Again, that's dollarrecall.com. Learn how you can take action to prepare in case a central bank digital currency does get rolled out. What will happen then? What will it do to the markets? What will it do to your retirement accounts? A lot of questions out there. Go check out what Tika Tawari has to say at dollarrecall.com, paid for by Palm Beach Research Group. Welcome back in, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us. As we went to break, Buck, you were playing audio of Mitch McConnell in Kentucky, and that was Democrat activists, the public event, uh, probably, but also the maybe some Republicans, farm too. picnic. The what was it? The fancy farm picnic, I've been told. Okay, fancy farm picnic. We talked about this, and some of our listeners called in after Mitch McConnell had his moment where he appeared to freeze and then come back and said he was fine. We know that he's had several falling incidents. Again, he's not young. He's over 80, and like many of the people that are currently representing us in Washington, D.C., health has been a major concern, whether it's Joe Biden, whether it's Mitch McConnell, whether it's Dianne Feinstein, sadly, whether it's John Fetterman. Okay, so... We talked about the fact that the state of Kentucky passed a bill 
that says the legislature, which is overwhelmingly uh, led by Republicans, has the ability, because the governor is a Democrat, and this surprises a lot of people, the election is coming on this November. Daniel Cameron, who I believe we're going to have on, is the nominee. We're going to have him on this week. He's running uh, against Bashir, who is the sitting Democrat governor seeking re-election. He won in an upset in 2019. He's now seeking to be re-elected in 2023. Uh, so the issue here is, and I think this is a big deal that a lot of you need to pay attention to, why is Mitch McConnell's health such a focus? Why have Democrats really dove into Mitch McConnell? When you think about Diane Feinstein's obviously far worse off. She's 90. She's still representing California. John Fetterman can barely talk. He's still representing Pennsylvania. It's because the governor of Kentucky, Andy Bashir, has said publicly that he does not believe that the law that was passed by the Kentucky legislature is actually constitutional. And that law requires that the governor appoint someone from a list of three nominees that would be provided by the legislature in the event that a Republican has to step down and you have a Democrat in the governor's office or vice versa. Andy Bashir said he doesn't believe this is constitutional because it replaces the prior authority that the governor had to select someone of his own choosing. Why is this significant? We are basically at a 50-50 Senate, Buck. I think if Andy Bashir is reelected in November, that is in about three or four months, that in the event that Mitch McConnell for the next four years, or I think he's serving through 2026, has any sort of health-related condition, Kentucky's governor, if he's a Democrat, is going to appoint a Democrat, and he's going to dare the courts to say, you don't have the ability to do this. Meaning, there may, at, 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 there may be a void in terms of who's representing there while there's a court, or that Democrat may even be allowed to get seated. So I would just impress upon all of our listeners in Kentucky, your governor does not believe that the law that was passed to allow a Republican to succeed Mitch McConnell is constitutional. And I think he'll challenge it, and he will appoint a Democrat to replace Mitch McConnell if he can. That's why Democrats are paying a lot of attention to Mitch McConnell right now. And so if you're out there and you think, I don't like Mitch McConnell, I don't think he's doing a great job, I understand that argument, certainly. But understand that the governor of Kentucky, who is a Democrat, believes that he has the authority to put a Democrat in to replace Mitch McConnell, which in the event we're still sitting around a 50-50 Senate, even after 2024, if this guy is reelected, could decide control of the Senate. I will say that there was a whole cult of rbg remember this yep and i was this is before you and i teamed up clay i would talk on my show about how this obsession with the ruth bader ginsburg workout routine and yep this this pretense that ruth bader ginsburg is some cool pop culture figure and there were little dolls and figurines being made about her all the this whole thing there was a bizarre and it only happened at the very end of her life cult of rbg and there was this whole calculation that people were trying democrats were democrats were making saying look you got to retire you know you got to retire while we have a democrat to replace you and sure enough they decided to go a different or she decided to go a different route and it had a an impact um these things matter you know the these rules that we have in place about 
appointments and succession for people who have won elected office and what happens there can have a pretty pretty major impact. So assuming that that legal and it's it's even more than just a legal interpretation. If the governor says that statute is invalid and is just going to do it, I assume there'll be some process, but you know, that it, it might be it might be interesting. You don't know how that's going to turn out, is what I'm saying. So it's a risk either way. So and what I would say to Kentuckians is you can eliminate that risk by putting Daniel Cameron in as governor. Because then he would appoint a Republican. There would be no constitutional uncertainty. There'd be no legal battle over this. So we have Daniel Cameron on this week, I believe. We are indeed. I believe Wednesday. Wednesday, we're going to have Daniel Cameron on. But if you're in Kentucky, this is a big deal. Don't think just because the law was changed that it's going to maintain its viability. Let's take some calls. I don't think we've taken any calls so far uh, during the course of the show. Rick in Virginia Beach, what you got for us? Hey, guys. I appreciate y'all laying down all the hard work y'all are doing. Uh, this question is for Clay about your book. Um, with all the uh, with fifty percent of the country lean in lib, do you uh, do you imagine you're going to be able to break through to those that fifty percent? And of that fifty percent, how many of those people do you think you'll be able to switch their minds? Well, I think on it. Thank you for the call. And for people out there who are just getting in, uh, Amazon has not updated the rankings yet. I'm asking you all to help me. I'll be out at, let me make sure I get this right, bookends in Ridgewood, New Jersey tonight at 6 o'clock Eastern doing the first book signing. Uh, the book is American Playbook. Go buy it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Uh, drive this up. Right now we're still sitting at 15,422. I want to be in the top 1,000 when the book launches tomorrow, and I want you guys to help make it happen drive it up i'll give you an update tomorrow i think buck if a lot of people who are persuadable middle of the road read this book i think they would agree with almost everything in it and it doesn't take that many people given how close elections are to be able to swing the outcome i'd like to think my book could help when was the last time somebody came to you and said i was a full-on lib and you helped in my conversion to sanity i will say because i had this yeah I, I, more concentrated during COVID yes. than any period of my life. I, I had people that had known me in childhood who were like, I, I didn't agree with you, and I thought you're some right-wing lunatic, and I always say to that, thank you. Um, <laughs> and and I thought that, you know, and then I listened to you during COVID, and you were the only one who was, you know, the only one that they were listening to that was telling them the truth. It does. It happens fairly regularly, which is, Buck, I guarantee there'll be some people at this New Jersey book signing tonight who said, I used to think you were crazy. I started listening to you and Buck. I started reading OutKick, and now I agree with you. It happens all the time. I do believe, if you don't believe that, then I don't know how you make the arguments every day that we do. My goal is to win, and I believe we persuade a couple every day. I'm sure we we have independents who listen. We hear from them all the time. but I mean, like, like, have you? Do you think you've able, ever been able to convert somebody in recent memory who was a who was a full on lib, like an actual a person who believes Joe Biden is doing a great job, Nancy Pelosi is a is a wonderful elder stateswoman, and you know men can get pregnant. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, have, I, have I, you had one of those? I just wonder, do we ever break through to the true? maniacs on the other side because i know independents love us yeah i remember fun. last summer talking to a guy at the beach from north carolina came up to me and said i bought into the joe biden lie i voted for him in north carolina okay there and we go i listened to you and i will not make that mistake again yeah no th- there we go i i also w- will say 
it has been my experience, and this is this is really true. I, I mean, I can think about this almost without exception that the people you think of as right wing. I mean, quite honestly, if you mic'd up Clay and me and some of your other folks out there and just heard how we are in our everyday lives, we believe this stuff and yeah. talk about this and think this all the way. I know a lot of people that are in that, particularly that CNN world, but also who they're like, well, I mean, I don't really think men can get pregnant. <laughs> like, they'll say that to you privately. Yes. But they will not say anything like that publicly ever. And I mean, that's, that's a reality that the left, I think, deals with, particularly left wing media deals with all the time. Cause they, I mean, they say stuff. No one really believes the stuff Correct. that they're supposed to say. I mean, no normal person. Think about this. That. Not one house or Senate member voted that you should play sports against your gender you can't tell me that all those democrats with daughters actually believe that a dude should be able to win a women's sports and be a women's athlete of the year they don't believe it they lie david in wisconsin what you got for us given the demographic of uh, dc we've talked a lot about how the probability of trump getting a fair trial is next to nothing but um I wanted to advocate for a minute. Clay, last year you talked about a story where there was a reporter and someone else, I can't remember who it was, going door-to-door in D.C. asking people about what they thought about COVID, Fauci. And the, one of the guys was an African-American gentleman, and they asked him, and he basically laughed in their face and read them the riot act. Um, and, you know, they didn't expect that. Yep. So all we need is one guy on that jury to say, you know what, I see right through this B.S., in, in the African-American community, they're especially um, cautious of law enforcement and overhanded, heavy-handed law enforcement. So all we need is one guy. I wouldn't give up hope that, he, you know, that there might be that one well, guy. Can, can I jump in? We're, we're definitely not giving up hope on, on any of this, and you're totally correct in that all it takes is one person on that jury. Um, but But I think we can all see... They're taking as they're taking as many shots here as they can from as many places as they can at Trump, just to, to make it a, a numbers game, to make it a probability situation as much as anything else. Remember, we have a criminal case in New York City, soon to have a criminal case in Atlanta, Georgia. Two federal indictments. I mean, that, that's you just start to add it up and say, well, what happens if you've got a jury that just kind of hates Trump? You only need one. To that guy's credit, um, the video he's referencing, Buck, was in the Fauci documentary. The PBS Frontline, I remember this. It was they really good. They recorded it. It was Fauci with the, the cameras, and Fauci thought it made him look good, but a, you know, probably 35, 40 year old black guy on a porch just peppered him with questions about the COVID shot and why he didn't want to get it. And the guy, who's just a smart, normal, common sense guy, looked like the hero for many people out there. And there are, And I've said this for a while, Buck, many people listening right now who will have the opportunity to sit on one of these juries, right? You'll get called. I really believe that. I think you look at all the evidence, you have to, in my opinion, say not guilty, stick to it, and refuse to allow this jury to convict based on the precedent that it's setting in either South Florida or in D.C. I really believe some of our listeners will have that opportunity. And I'd encourage you to make sure that you show up. This is one jury trial you don't want to try to get out of. You want to try to get on.
because what you could do could defend liberty for generations to come. I really do believe that. Uh, look, I want to tell you, students begin heading back to college in the next 30 days. Do you think they'll be learning about our nation's founding principles, the ones that made America the freest, most prosperous nation in history? Will they be given a full and honest account of our nation's history? If the students you're thinking about are Hillsdale College undergrads, the answer is yes. I can't say the same for college students going everywhere, but the chances are frankly, not good. Hillsdale College educates their students on our nation's full history, the good, the bad, how we've improved from our mistakes along the way. And beyond the campus, Hillsdale's extended its teaching to K-12 through students and lifelong learners like you and me. If you're not doing so already, one of the best ways to start learning from our friends at Hillsdale is through Imprimus, Hillsdale's monthly publication. You can sign up to receive it free each month at a website built out for this audience in particular, Clay and Buck for Hillsdale.com. You'll look forward to receiving your copy of Imprimus each month. It's interesting, useful, and free. The best, smartest conservative constitutionalist thought out there. Find out more about Hillsdale and Imprimus at Clay and Buck for Hillsdale.com. That's Clay and Buck for Hillsdale.com. Learn, laugh, and join us on the weekend on our Sunday Hang with Clay and Buck podcast. Find it on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media Spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. The warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, this idea of what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
We are closing up shop here for the day on Clay and Buck. We will miss all of you for about 21 hours or so. But the great news is that you can listen to us, including content you won't hear anywhere else, like the Tudor Dixon podcast on the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast uh, stream. You just subscribe to Clay and Buck Show. Download the iHeartRadio app. That's the best way to get it done. It's a free app. It's really phenomenal. I listen to it. Honestly, I listen to the iHeart app. I use it every day. Uh, so I'll check in on our friend uh, Mark Simone in the morning, for example. Clay, while I'm getting ready, Mark Simone does an amazing show up in New York. I know you were on his show earlier today on WORNYC. Um, but uh, you know, listen to some of the folks. Check out what, uh, what Glenn's doing over there in Dallas. Uh, the iHeartRadio app gives you a lot of, well, you can listen to tons of stuff, all the stations, all the, all your favorite hosts and shows. Uh, we got Tudor Dixon on the show tomorrow with us, which is, uh, exciting. Tudor is, uh, always really interesting. And, um, I will tell you, Clay, one of the, uh, this was a very, I share with you a very Florida thing. You know, I, I know there's all these, well, you were gone when we talked about the otter story, but you know what I'm talking oh, about. Oh, yeah. Right? I read all about this. This, the, the three, Women were attacked, and one of them, I, otters. The the northern otter in a, in the U.S. I think only gets up to twenty or thirty pounds, so it's like the size of a kind of small to mediumish sized dog. But it it you know they're nasty. Apparently, they swim fast. They're nasty. They bit this woman. She had to be airlifted. When I was doing my uh, training course at my at Miami uh, Shooters Club, uh, there was an outdoor range we went to, and they said, "Hey guys, if you're gonna go, and you know." Use the outdoor facilities, shall we say, if you catch my drift. There's a little pathway, but just be careful for alligators. And we all kind of laughed, and they were like, no, you're next to the Everglades. Not Like, be careful about alligators. <laughs> and I had a moment. I was like, wait, I've never I've never really been told to watch out for the alligators before. It was a very Florida moment, you know? Uh, I mean, just, just be careful. I don't want you to have to be like that guy who went in uh... – you know, I still think one of the great heroes uh, out there. With the cigar with the puppy that tried to grab his puppy, and he kept his, he kept his, uh, his cigar in his mouth the whole time. Yeah, yeah. That's... He went in the water to save his puppy that the alligator grabbed. Uh, now it was not a big, super large alligator, but he wrestled the puppy back, kept his cigar in his mouth, and walked him back up. Um, welcome to Florida, Buck. I mean, that was my favorite thing when I was a kid. We would drive down to Florida for vacation, and I was obsessed with exactly how far south did we have to get where alligators could exist. Because I'm sure there are tons of kids like me when I was a kid that are super fascinated still by the alligator. Well, it's funny, too, when you're in a different part of the country. This is true. Like, when I was growing up in New York City, tourists would sometimes, from certain parts of the world, they would take photos of squirrels in Central Park. <laughs> it was fascinating to them, it's right? Funny. yeah. And and I was always, and I was like, why are they taking photos of squirrels? I come down to South Florida, and I'm like... You guys have manatees yeah. and alligators. This place is amazing. You know, I'm sure it's like in parts of Montana, they see buffalo or something like, yeah, it's a buffalo. It's like a big cow with horns. Who cares? No, your wife, uh, when, when I visited your place, she was like, Buck just runs outside all the time. If he can see a manatee, he loses his mind. Because yep. you could see them from where you live in Miami. Yeah, which I could is, see them in the I water. Think, I think it's super cool. I hope to see a bunch of you at bookends in Ridgewood, New Jersey tonight. First book signing, American Playbook. Go buy it. I want to drive this up, make the New York Times, put it on the list. My thanks to you guys. You can find it anywhere. No update yet on Amazon. Put me in the top 1,000 for print tomorrow, Buck. I look forward to meeting a bunch of you in New Jersey. We will be back same time tomorrow. Thanks for hanging with us. 
More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. 